longer have... Welcome! Oh, sorry, you were going to ask something? No, never mind. Go ahead. No. I can delay the intro. No. Fuck these people. I don't care about the people waiting for the class. Drop it. I was going to ask if they no longer have the fireball in the Hellblade uh, bottle. They do not. Which is a damn shame. What she's referring to, folks, is the fireball whiskey that I'm drinking, which is a cinnamon whiskey, <clears throat> which is medicinally ordered by my nutritionist. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, I liked their Hellboy whiskey when it was being made, which is also cinnamon whiskey, and I kept the bottles, but unfortunately I don't make it anymore. But I might take fireball and refill the Hellboy things with it. And by the way, I'm Professor Hamby here to teach Miskatonic University's Remote Education Program, Literature 209 graphic literature and society and history, along with my T.A. Rowan. Hello. Say hello, Rowan. Hello, it's me again. Now, I have news. Um, I had my annual review with Dr. Feckett this last week. He came over while I was working on the plumbing for the new steam room. Mm -hmm. He seems slightly perturbed. And by slightly, I mean that large vein in the center of his forehead uh, looked like it was about to go the John Hurt way and have an alien life form explode out of it. If for some reason it always does when he's in here. I know, really. You'd think, you know, he would make, you know, better life decisions and just not come in my office anymore. Um, but as I told him, this new steam room would be available to him and it would help him relax. So, you know, I think you should take that as a positive. I didn't seem very amused when you said that. Well, you know, he's kind of uptight. Um, and speaking of uptight, my review. Uh, so, apparently, be, having tenure does not excuse me from not publishing my class curriculum. I mean, who would have thought? Yeah. So It's almost like you have a job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not amused. Um... So I am putting together a website uh, for the class. It is going to have an actual calendar where I will commit to what our upcoming class sessions are, as well as provide links to other stuff. Uh, now, I also have one other important piece of bookkeeping news to let the class know about. Um, I have taken over as the... Faculty coach for the Miskatonic Manicores, our esports team. Th this is where you cheer or say something positive. Oh, they're going to need help. Oh, Lord. Look, uh, the bakery department apparently is short their previous coach because they moved to England in order to establish residency for the Great British Bake Off. Well, they are determined. I'll give them that. Yeah, yeah. And they left a note on their desk saying, I'm going to make Kim Joy my bitch. I'm out. <laughs> so I, that sounds a little combative. I don't approve of that, but I do like the fighting spirit. I don't think they're going to get in. But power to them for living the dream, right? Mm -hmm. So now completely unrelated to taking over the coaching duties of the Miskatonic Manicores they just installed new fiber lines into my office. Completely unrelated? <laughs> Completely unrelated. Right. Seems like another lie. For the so, li 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 such ugly words. 
for such a beautiful experience of being able to stream 4K TV while I sit in the sauna. Specifically, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, which I was able to stream on Disney Plus thanks to several department fellows who have really guessable passwords. Um, so I do want to comment on Shang-Chi real quickly. I knew nothing about this, just in case anyone hears this. I, you knew everything. You helped me guess. No. Yes. No. Um, so Shang-Chi, Legend of the Ten Rings. I watched it. You watched it with me. Mm -hmm. uh, what did you think? I really enjoyed it. Now, they changed a lot from his history. Oh, yeah. It feels very different. I, I will tell you the thing I cheered at. No white Western mother. Yes. I mean, who would have thought you can have an Asian superhero who's all the way Asian? Shocking, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I know. It's almost like they're human beings. Yeah. Right. So, uh, you know, the whole change, you know, obviously they had to get rid of Fu Manchu and they introduced the Mandarin. I was cool with all that. I, I like the joke about the Mandarin. Right. The Mandarin Orange. Um, although that's not entirely fair. Mandarin was also the name of a dynasty of China. But anyway. So th th there were a bunch of things where I don't want to spoil it because it's still early on its time on Disney+. Plus. And it's also available for purchase from iTunes and I'm sure Amazon Prime and other stuff. So I don't want to spoil things. But there were a number of places where I thought they cleverly took tropes and twisted them. Mm -hmm. So I was happy about that. There were a couple of tropes they played up entirely to the hilt that I did not like. There were definite minuses. I did not think this was a great film. It was not as good as Captain America, the first Avenger. It wasn't as good as Captain America, the Winter Soldier either. But those are great movies. Right, and this was just solidly good, but I wanted it to be great because I really do love Shang-Chi. And I'm going to probably mispronounce this, and I apologize, but Simu Lu, I think is his name, uh, the actor who played Shang-Chi, and he was also the son on Kim's Convenience. I think he's phenomenal, and I think he was one of the bright points of this film. I mean, actually, the acting overall in this film was really strong. There were maybe one or two people whose acting was just okay, and, you know, frankly... The only reason I say they were just okay is they were kind of overshadowed by so much good acting. Yeah. Um, and I was really happy with it. If you like Kung Fu, you like superheroes, you like comics, go watch it. It was good. I desperately hope we're going to see more Shang-Chi in future Marvel Cinematic Universe. I hope this was just the start to more because it was really good. It was good. I enjoyed it. Uh, other bookkeeping notes comicscourse.captivate.fm. That's where you can download all the episodes direct. Of course, we're also on iTunes, Google Play, all that kind of jazz. And I have launched a new Twitter account. I, it, it, tweets kept going to this librarian asshole. I don't understand why. I mean, he's a librarian. I mean, what do they do? Check books out to people? What does he have to talk about on Twitter? Would you like that back with a bookmark? Uh, fuck this asshole. So, new Twitter account, Prof Hamby, P-R-O-F-H-A-M-B-Y, Prof Hamby on Twitter. I just made it before the recording today, so I haven't liked any accounts, followed anybody. All that'll happen in the next few days. So, catch up with me there. DMs will be open, especially if you like cosplaying certain kinds of characters. I won't say which ones. God. I'm a lonely man. Um, I can tell. I live in a feckin' office. What do you think? Anyway, 
So we're now back to Black Panther. Now, we're going to talk today about Panther's Prey. This was a four-issue limited series done by Don McGregor and Dwayne Turner. Don McGregor, of course, reinvented Black Panther in a lot of ways with his run in jungle action and then came back for Panther's Quest. And one thing that Panther's Quest did not do was allow us to reconnect with all the characters we loved from Jungle Action. Panther's Prey solves that. We are going to see everybody again. Woo. Well, not quite everybody, but almost everybody, Yay. which is really cool. And we have Dwayne Turner on art. Dwayne Turner has done a lot of different artistic styles in his time. I think of him more as a DC guy, but he's done a lot for Marvel. And again, he's an African-American artist. I do want to note one thing of interest, that in the history of the Black Panther titles up to this point, we've had mostly African-American artists. I do also consider Panther's Prey a terminal point of what I consider the first half of the Black Panther's existence. Because after this point, it switches in terms of Black influence. We've had Black artists, but white writers up till now. After Panther's Prey, it becomes dominated by Black writers. Mm -hmm. Specifically, Christopher Priest and Reginald Hudlin and Todd Nahisi Coates. There are a few other writers that did miniseries and stuff here and there. We'll talk about that stuff. But those are the dominant voices that take over Black Panther. African-American, but nonetheless influenced by the African diaspora. Mm -hmm. Now, Dwayne Turner's art style here is interesting because it's a very soft-painted sort of art style. Very... It's very pretty. Yeah, a lot of flowing colors. It, it's, it's, they and, look and... like paintings. They do. They really do look like paintings. And the opening pages show the Black Panther facing off against an actual Black Panther. And hes you find out later he's playing with it. We get several scenes of this. Now, we had a little bit of this in Jungle Action, but I think Don McGregor is also paying homage in a way to the Black Panther miniseries, uh, Volume 2 of Black Panther, where he was rejected by the Panther spirit and the Panthers attack him. Here we see consistently he's still connected to the Panther spirit because he's able to play with them. In fact, we get a scene later on where he's lounging around with them and one of them keeps trying to play with him. Aww. So he's accepted. He's still connected to the Panther spirit and it approves of him. Then we see him swing back and we see a very new Wakanda here. Wakanda isn't just a bunch of tribal villages. Now, remember, Don McGregor essentially established a Wakanda that was becoming modernized out of an old, uh, almost medieval time in terms of their technology and culture. Now we fast forward and things have progressed. Central Wakanda isn't just one or two buildings like a medical facility that's embraced modern technology. It's huge complexes with water features and concrete walkways it and looks, plantings. It looks like a massive fancy hotel almost. I'll tell you, to me, it looks like the Las Vegas Strip. And I don't say that insultingly. It's not as garish. But actually, most of the Strip isn't that garish. But they are big buildings with beautiful water features and dramatic sights. I mean, here we have a panther head coming out of a building. And it's obviously a vision of modern of modernness in Wakanda. And we find out that this is not universal. Central Wakanda has continued to grow and become technologically enhanced, but technology is not pervasive through Wakanda. 
and a cultural conflict between the old Wakanda and new Wakanda still exists. Mm-hmm. But it's not as tribal looking anymore. Not in central Wakanda, but outside central Wakanda, it definitely is. Mm-hmm. Now, then we jump to a scene, and I'm not going to go over every scene in the books, but I do want to both keep together the narrative flow of the story along with talking about the themes. We are introduced to a new character. This is really the only new major character that we meet. And his name is Solomon Prey. We find out he was educated at Harvard. We get back to that idea of people have to be educated from the West. Killmonger was educated in the West as well. Or, or at least spent time in the West. But Solomon, who even has a Western name that means wisdom, says that he didn't really learn anything from the West. He rejects the ideas of the West. And it's somewhat hypocritical, we find out. But he's undergoing these extraordinary operations to extend the muscles in his back to essentially turn him into a monster, to give him paradactyl wings so he can fly. Oh no, it starts here. But we're introduced to these ideas from the character that, for example, he refuses to use anesthesia. You know, that he has this weird, twisted philosophy. And the art here is gruesome and beautiful at the same time. Uh, I, I feel like Dwayne Turner's art has a a, 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 a a carnalness to it. And I mean that in the literal meaning of carnal, a blood-likeness to it, a meatiness to it, where you feel like you're actually seeing somebody's back explode in blood. It, I cringe in pain looking at what's happening. What do it you think? It makes me uncomfortable looking at it. Yeah. It looks so real. And when his hand drapes over the doctor's back, thanking him, and it's dripping his own blood... It's like, yeah. <laughs> then we jump to Kantu. Remember, Kantu is the I one do. who actually pushed Killmonger over. And we find out that there's a statue of Kantu that now an older teenage Kantu walks by to see occasionally. Uh, we get to hear his thoughts or a third-person point of view as he contemplates what does it mean to be a hero. We find out that after the events with Killmonger... There were feasts in his name, and people celebrated him. And now he's kind of been forgotten, and he's just another teenage kid wandering around. You know, these fames are fleeting. You know, time passes on. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of an interesting moment to see that this kid is also wearing what are, in a lot of ways, Western clothes now. You know, this kid who pushed over Killmonger while wearing nothing but a necklace and a tribal loincloth is now wearing a... Sw- what a jacket and like sweater thing with jeans right very western and we hear people in the books complain that western idioms are taking over their language which i also think is kind of an excuse for don mcgregor to not have to filter them out of his writing it lets gives them an excuse to let you know wakandans talk like americans Uh, (laughs) writers but there are many wakandans who are not happy about some of the western influences Now, as Kantu is standing around, we see the shadows of pterodactyl wings. So then we cut away from that to meet another character introduced by Don McGregor, but not all the way back in Jungle Action, but in the last series, Panther's Quest, which is T'Challa's mother. And T'Challa takes her to the ancestral tombs where they don't use electric lights. They still use uh, torches, which guards maintain. And he talks about 
the desire to maintain tradition in some places while modernizing in others? Is it just ego on his part? Why does he think it matters in some places and not others? By the way, Don McGregor always wrote a lot of text with his issues. But by this point, I think his experience in working in prose had taken over because there are pages with so much text, I can barely see the art. There are times there's so much text, I find myself skimming it because I actually want to have some damn idea about what's happening. Yeah. So I, 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 I yeah, I, I feel like that was a weakness of Don McGregor on this series that he became too enamored of listening to his own writing. He wanted to write, not do comic writing. At this point, yes. So they go to visit the tomb. She goes to see Tachaka's tomb, who, of course, is her husband, who's now passed away. Then, basically, in short order, we go back to these lightning lancers, these bad guys in these cheap suits that look like they were sold off by advanced idea mechanics as rejected designs. And they're riding giant pterodactyls and harass Kantu. Black Panther shows up. There's ass whooping that happens. There's fighting. And... Are they wearing the helmets from He-Man? Helmets from He-Man? Like Ram Man's helmet? Yeah. Or Fisto's helmet? I, I don't know their names. There is a character named Fisto in He-Man. Oh, God. He fists things. Somebody was not thinking. Or they were, and they got it past people who weren't thinking. But no, I think those are just generic helmets. Okay. They're not Fisto's helmets. <laughs> Don't break. All right. Okay. Sorry, guys, for that diversion. By the way, don't watch the He-Man cartoon on Netflix. Just, I'm just saying don't. Um, <sighs> There's nothing much to say here. There's a fight. He, you know, gets hurt. He beats off the Lightning Lancers. What's interesting is the next scene that follows up where we get to see Solomon who's being tended by a woman. A woman who strokes her hands over his back and licks up the blood and stuff coming off his back wounds. The doctor has warned him that he should have antiseptic and he could get infected. And instead of getting a medical treatment, has her lick all the gore up and her saliva supposedly help bind the wound. And when the doctor is grossed out by this, they say... You don't understand love. Okay, anti-vax mom. Well, this isn't really about anti-vaxing. <laughs> You're a few decades <laughs> off of that. <laughs> this is about a metaphor. This is a metaphor about how love and pain are intertwined. Mm -hmm. And it's about Wakanda in a way. And it's also about this guy's delusions. Because what we find out over time in this story is that he's a drug dealer. And... He wants to overthrow T'Challa. He wants to overthrow Western influences, while at the same time, he's bringing drugs from the West into. Now, this was done at a time when American culture was still hardcore anti-drug. Now, I think a lot of drugs are bad. You know, there, there's just no good reason on this earth to take heroin and a whole bunch of other things. Mm -hmm. There are other substances that were probably have been for decades and decades too reactionary and extremist about We've also been very slow to recognize 
how the war on drugs has disproportionately affected certain communities like African-American communities. And we've also ignored how a lot of people have turned to illegal drugs in order to do deal with pain treatments where they couldn't get cost-effective you know, treatment for their conditions otherwise. And it's not safe for them. But these are discussions that have really happened in the last 10 years, mostly. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least at a level that have filtered up to national poly- policy decisions. At the time this was done, the attitude was just, drugs bad, okay? So... No conversation? S- no conversation. None. So Solomon Prey is bringing drugs in from America, which, by the way, doesn't make a lot of sense. Now, a lot of hardcore drugs are made in the Middle East. Some are made in South America. I'll bet, I'm not an expert on this, that a bunch are made in African countries with very little legal oversight. I don't see why an African country would have to go to America to import the drugs. Because he knows where to get them in America? Maybe so. But you'd think he could make the contacts other places. I mean, other people managed to do it. Just saying. They may not want to talk to him. He may be blacklisted. Wow. that That's an interesting idea. He is kind of an asshole. But the fact that he has to get the drugs from America to sell in Wakanda, bringing in this poisonous Western influence, while he claims to dislike the Western influence... Is definitely is, hypocritical. Right. And it's showing off this power grabbing. Now... The woman here is again a throwback. Now, she's so obscure a character, she's not even listed on most of the wikis, but her name is Tanzania, which I'm, I think I'm pronouncing that right, which, if you remember, was the woman who killed Zatanna and framed Monica Lynn for the murder back in Jungle Action. She was one of the court handmaidens who used... The food spear that Monica Lynn had held to kill, basically, her lover. Wow, she gets around. And she's been in jail for years. She's gotten out. She has this deep hatred to T'Challa now, who she used to be obsessed with, supposedly. We'll see obsession with T'Challa being a motivating factor in the Christopher Priest time uh, of writing Black Panther as well for another character. And while going back to check this, uh, going back to Jungle Action... I noticed a scene that I'd missed initially where they're talking about the framing of Monica Lynn and trying to figure out what the weapon is while they are literally holding the weapon and eating meat off it. (laughs) Yep. They weren't very bright in that issue. No, no, they weren't. And now... We see Wakabi again. Wakabi. Now, his his arm, he lost his arm. We know that. And he's getting used. He now has an interchangeable arm. We get to see him with basically a giant blasting gun for an arm. But he can also change that out for a completely natural looking one. He still walks around in ceremonial garb. He prefers a traditional Wakandan existence. But is working in a place that basically looks like a giant shopping mall. He so, goes to see T'Challa. So, so he looks like a cosplayer. Except there are lots of people dressed like that there. Yeah. So he goes to see T'Challa. T'Challa's like, come in, bro. And T'Challa's just getting out of the bath. And Wakabi's like, oh, dude, I'm kind of embarrassed because I can see your Johnson. And T'Challa's just like, it's a big deal. <laughs> you know, you say you're all about traditional values, but used to be in Wakanda... 
nudity wasn't a big deal. It's all good. We're bros, right? I mean, not like that kind of bro, but we're just bros. We can be locker room bros. No homo. I mean, that's T'Challa's attitude here. I mean, we can hug it out and love without homo. And that's a good thing. You don't want toxic masculinity. You don't want toxic masculinity. Toxic, you know, being an evolved man doesn't mean you have to be prancing around in the sunflowers and shoving pixie sticks up your ass. It just means you can be a self-confident man. And T'Challa's being that here. And he shows it by this outfit he's wearing, which is a purple inside cape with a leopard print outside tied together with a Black Panther medallion and then dark blue panther leggings with an open bare chest. I, I, I honestly, I don't know if he's going to the disco or this is walking around clothes or both. All I know is that when he walked out in the central complex, I expected Donner Summers to be playing. This this is why he was constantly wearing his memorial garbs in America because he doesn't know how to dress himself. We'll get to that though. <laughs> hold on, we'll get to that. Now hold on, I, and I'm not criticizing the leopard print clo cloak. The purple inside though. <laughs> it doesn't match with anything. It's hideous. <laughs> I mean, it looks like he's trying out to be a Doombot. <laughs> Why is he only wearing the bottom part of his panther outfit? He didn't have any other clean pants, apparently. I guess. He's a king! I, I mean, maybe his backup plan was just to walk nude around the, in public. And just be like, hello, little chalices, hi. <laughs> I mean, as it is, look at the bulge Dwayne Turner drew on this guy. He's saying it anyway. I mean, they spent time on shadowing. I mean, you can tell the time by how the sun hits that thing. What? Keep going. Okay. So they're wandering around this complex. And basically, Wakabi wants to talk to T'Challa about how he's, in fact, not hitting the disco. He needs to get a woman knocked up because he needs a... And T'Challa's like, well, I don't have a woman I love. And Wakabi's like, you don't need a love to knock a woman up. You you know this. You're not stupid. We need an heir to the throne. He's not that old. I, the guy goes out and fights <laughs> gods occasionally. I don't think the concern <laughs> is about his age as to why he might not produce an heir. He's still kicking. For now. <laughs> So then he takes Wakabi to eat pizza because they have a decent pizza place, which T'Challa has been wanting. Then we go back to see Solomon Prey. He's living in a traditional Wakandan village. There's talk about monsters. And basically Solomon tries to do the speech where he justifies the fact that he's not the monster. The rest of society is. Even though he's walking around with pterodactyl wings. Right. I mean, he's kind of messed up. Then we get to T'Challa running into Kantu again and finding Kantu smoking crack cocaine. Now, Solomon finally shows up because Solomon wants to make T'Challa hurt. He says T'Challa's been all on his mind. He wants to cause T'Challa some discomfort in his thoughts. So they have a fight. He basically fights off Solomon, but Solomon really does kind of get the advantage in it 
and T'Challa is pretty badly bloodied up. He gets treated by a medical officer. And we do get some pages with some interesting design work from Dwayne Turner here. We get these bubbles that are actually uh, hexagonal shaped, but with the middle elongated. So we get a wide shot against a blue background. This and they're is... kind of tumbled down and some of them are twisted. One's even upside down to kind of show the weird flowing nature of this conversation. Yeah, it looks really cool, but this is also what happens when the writer writes too much. Right. And I don't actually have any problem at all with the page layout, but look at the amount of text on it. Mm -hmm. You it... can tell this wasn't just because the artist wanted to do something cool, but because he had to fit so much text in. Right. That a regular page layout would not work. So now we get to a full page layout, and I really love the huge page layouts from Dwayne Turner. They show off his ability. I like that he has the sink going there, up there to the top. Right, and against it is this chapter title, Personal Accountability. That's something that Billy Graham did back in Jungle Action a lot, and I love that Dwayne Turner integrated those call-outs to Jungle Action in it his art. It so cool. And I'm sure it was intentional. Mm -hmm. Now here... We get to see Taku again, the communications guy. Taku. And we find out that Venom has become his partner. Again, because it was still that time, the G word is not mentioned. There's no... They're gay. But it's very clear they are. Mm -hmm. I mean, they refer to them as partners or friends. I forget the exact terminology. It's clear they live together. Uh, T'Challa and Wakabi are obviously not real comfortable with Venom still, but... Because to be sure he was a terrorist. He was a terrorist. So I can't blame them. And he may have indirectly been responsible for Wakabi losing his arm. And he did choke T'Challa with snakes. But he's trying to get along by wearing a blue spandex outfit that Richard Simmons might have been embarrassed. At. No, Richard Simmons wouldn't have been. <laughs> he would have worn that. Um, and he comes to bring T'Challa an autographed first edition of his first published book of poetry. If they didn't say they were gay and this wasn't obvious enough for you, you need glasses. Straight men can write poetry. You don't need to I'm not preferring to the, I'm not preferring to the poetry. Are you referring to the outfits? <laughs> yes. Oh my god, the outfits. <laughs> do, do you want to describe Wakabi's outfit there? Start with the sandals. <laughs> He's wearing these weird like striped sandals that it looks like women's heels. The, 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 they are from the I am Spartacus collection and I'm fabulous. <laughs> Um, like you can honestly see traditional Wakandans wear these, mm -hmm. but, but they don't show anyone else, even the traditional Wakandans wear them. Uh -huh. And he's wearing this like weird old workout outfit looking thing that's bright orange with leopard, with, print. With leopard print, like near the crotch area going up to his chest. Right. And it's not on the legs. It's just in his crotch and then going up to a, to a narrow band that goes up to his chest and goes around his neck. It does not cover his chest. It is a sl it, it is the bottom half is by the way, you you were not born when these were popular. The bottom half is leopard parachute pants. And the top half is the top half of, of a slingkini that connects to the parachute pants. 
And on top it of that... It is a sling parachute pants. And on top of that, he's wearing a red bandana. Right. I mean, the the Harvey Firestein might say he was too gay to visit. <laughs> I mean, damn. It's... I mean, they wanted to get a point across and they got it. I mean, Marvel, Marvel editorial may have said... You can't call him gay. But you can make so him So Dwayne Turner it. said, hold my beer. <laughs> it makes what T'Challa was wearing earlier look normal. Right. <laughs> I mean, I gotta say, they're fashion forward in Wakanda. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> so to hammer home the point that Wakanda has modern technology, we now see offices with lots of computers. We find out from Wakabi that he has concerns about potential security intrusions. There's a lot of back and forth. Nobody's going to be surprised. This, of course, ties in to what Solomon Prey is doing, who's not just selling drugs, but also doing shit involving stealing technology secrets, stealing vibranium, all kinds of super bad things that could majorly undermine Wakanda. He's not just a drug dealer. He's a threat on lots of levels. He may which is all a metaphor for not just destabilizing Wakandan culture through drugs, but destabilizing Wakanda and Wakanda, period. He is that kind of influence. Is that like an old school tech room? Computer room? Yep. That is what an advanced technology room would have looked like back then. Oh. Yep. CRT computers and keyboards on every desk and stuff like that. Laptops didn't, well, laptops did exist, but not much. So we see more advanced technology. Now, this is interesting. We saw a little bit of how Wakandan technology is now leaping past the West with the surgery they did earlier on Solomon Prey. But now we see they're getting around this administrative and shopping complex on these floating disks. And we're hearing them talk about how they're selling technology to the West that they've developed using vibranium with very small amounts of vibranium at the same time and using it to their advantage. So we now see Don McGregor saying they're not just taking from the West, and they're not just buying the best technology from the West, they're now starting to leapfrog the West some. And this sets the stage for what Christopher Priest, Reginald Hudlin, Ta-Nehisi Coates are going to write about, and further change the mythology. And we see T'Challa think a little bit about Monica Lynn, which, of course, is... To Don McGregor, T'Challa's one true love, which was the center point of jungle action. She's back again. T'Challa goes to see Kantu. Uh, Kantu doesn't want to talk to him. T'Challa's mother argues with T'Challa about how he's treating him. T'Challa has imprisoned Kantu. T'Challa's mother disagrees vehemently with how this is being handled, says she's going to fight T'Challa on it. He says he expects that. She is his mother. She is a woman of strength and integrity. And if she disagrees, he disagrees with her. He believes what he's doing is right. But if she believes something else is right, he expects her to fight him. And we see a strong, respectful idea of this woman as queen there and of women in general. And T'Challa is having more flashbacks to Monica Lynn. Now, by a little bit of a jump forward in the story later we see that Kantu is going to die. He takes a bunch of pills from the medicine cabinet in the rooms where he's being stored and ODs on random pharmaceuticals and ends up dead. 
and it is the first drug overdose death in Wakanda. So it is a sign of the changing times right there. Mm-hmm. It is as momentous a thing as the flying platforms in the public complex. Again, we see T'Challa meeting with the Panthers and being affectionate with them. And Solomon again meeting his beloved. <clears throat> and that is volume two. Now, volume three is largely a departure. T'Challa decides, all right, he needs to go find Monica. They want him to start making babies. He's going to make some babies. Oh, God. And he knows just the woman. She's a jazz singer. She can make some babies. God. I, I didn't write this. But I will say that when Dwayne Turner decided to draw Monica Lynn, he decided that he wanted to spend some time drawing legs. Yeah. this is one tall woman. Mm-hmm. Damn. And the scene with her putting on stockings? That's detailed. That's detailed. I mean... I think this is the most detail he's put into anything other than the bulges. Uh, although that right thigh and the left thigh, oh, his a... anatomy's a little messed up there. Uh-huh. But you could tell he was channeling some pinup artwork there. Mm-hmm. But his anatomy was really messed up on that one, which is too bad because it's otherwise a really effective scene. Mm-hmm. And you could tell it's effective because despite the anatomy being so bad there, you don't notice it at first. Mm-hmm. So T'Challa goes to meet up with Monica right after Monica's need a guy in the balls. Which, you know, is a good time to run into your ex, I think. Yeah. You know, she's gotten some of that out of her. Maybe she's less likely to do it to you. <laughs> Not talking from experience uh-huh. at all. So he goes to talk to Monica. We by now have seen that Solomon Prey is in fact stealing vibranium. But by the time T'Challa, who by the way doesn't apparently knock on a woman's door, but in his... Wakandan ceremonial stealth outfit comes up to her window to tap on it. Talk about creepy exes. It's a little creepy. And why don't you describe for the class what what Monica Lynn is doing as this happens? Weirdly laying on her couch wearing a very see-through jacket thing with silky underwear like a pinup model. And, And... and with bikini her, panties. Mm-hmm, with her hands on top of her head. Yeah, that can't be comfortable to lay that like that. No, and it's not something you would do casually. No. Dwayne, Dwayne, bro, you're out there. Dwayne, um, you're giving us cheesecake. And, uh, and she's weirdly doing this to try to make the scene look more casual and normal. Has right. a book and popcorn next to her. Now, now, Dwayne, if you're out there listening to me, bro, come on. I, I, this is just between us. Everybody else... Turn away for a moment. Don't listen. This is just between Dwayne Turner and I. You got some sexy stuff on this page. When she stands up and walks to the window, damn, bro. I mean, you're hitting it on all cylinders. But no woman lays casually around on a couch like that. You try doing it. It don't work. It, she looks like she should be breaking her spine. That that looks painful. I mean, I appreciate the cheesecake. I do. But, Yeah. So he comes in the window, and she's angry. We get some more cheesecake, because why not? And there's anger, and there's repercussions, and there's tight holding, and we get lots of flashbacks to the past, and then they start making out. 
And then, because in the comics code, or I'm not sure these were submitted to the comics code, but because it was the general attitude at the time that you should could not show explicit physical interaction, just to make a point, they have them making out, and then a cutscene to a final panel with water exploding out of a heated pot on the stove. It's weird. They can't show anything farther than that, but they can show Monica walking up to the door with her underwear clearly showing. Yeah, but the, but the water exploding out of the pot is a symbol. Mm. And it's mm -hmm. about as subtle as a brick baseball bat to the face. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, more sexiness comes, and I appreciate it. I mean, Dwayne, bro, you, you should have done more pinup work. I'm just saying. But work on your anatomy. I, you know, to be fair, the other scenes with her there weren't bad. It was just that one. But work on how you have people laying. So now that T'Challa's in America, he's like, you know what I should do? Mm -hmm. I mean, now that I've picked up a honey, <laughs> mm -hmm. I need to go pick up some money. Mm -hmm. I need to go find the people selling Solomon drugs and beat the shit out of some white boys in the snow. Don't tell me he's still wearing it. He's still fucking wearing it. Well, I mean, but now he's doing something where it's appropriate. Although, let me do, I do have a point to argue here. If the point of your ceremony outfit is stealth, ceremonial outfit is stealth, then in the snow, a black outfit may not be the best choice. Uh huh. And why was he walking up to Monica's window? And why was he doing it specifically in it? Was he trying not to be seen? I don't know. I mean, I would knock on the door personally. <laughs> yeah. But, but so he tracks down the drug dealers who are selling the drugs to the Wakandans, the Lightning Lancers, who have ridden giant pterodactyls across the Atlantic Ocean, carrying bags big enough for, like, three guys to stand in, two each, so six guys, plus a rider. I'm not sure the aerodynamics would work, by the way. It's not clear what the hell they want to put in those bags, because what the Americans are carrying to sell them in drugs fits in a single briefcase... <laughs> like giant purses <laughs> but they're around the pterodactyls next two of them and the pterodactyls have to fly across the atlantic ocean why do you need them that big i want to know how they get across the atlantic ocean and not being noticed screw that how do they get across <laughs> the atlantic ocean has some you know There's has solomon and gotten that doctor that gave him wings put a feckin' you know jet in the pterodactyl's butt i mean Birds would get, well, lizards, I guess, reptiles, <laughs> dinosaurs, would get feckin' tired. I'm guessing they sought to take breaks? It's an ocean! <laughs> True. I mean, I know there are <laughs> islands, but I don't think they have landing fields with for pterodactyls. It doesn't make sense. There's so many holes. I mean, I love absurdity in comics, but this is really pushing it, guys. Nothing makes sense about it. Nothing. But this is what you have to be able to do. Okay, let's back up a second for people listening to the class. If you love comics, sometimes you have to just love this stuff. When you're a little kid and you don't notice how stupid it is, you just love how awesome it is. And when you're an adult and you notice how stupid it is, you enjoy the laughter about it and still enjoy what else is good about it. Because mm -hmm. if you can't do that, if you as an adult can't recognize how ridiculous some of this is, 
you're kind of screwed because it is ridiculous and you should find it ridiculous as an adult. That doesn't mean you can't still enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So by the end of this, the two white guys are killed by Solomon, who then buries them underground with T'Challa. Now, this is not surprising because Don McGregor tortures the hell out of T'Challa all the time. At least he doesn't have a, a, a ring of burning fire around his neck this time like he did when he was tired. But I do have a problem with the art here. Now, Dwayne Turner has some great art here. We see them buried underground. We see the ground above them. We see the rocks and the roots. But do you see what my logical problem with this is, Rowan? I think so. I think so. The ground is obviously undisturbed above them. There are growing roots through it that are continuous to the tree. If they were going to dig a hole and dump these people in it, they would have broken those roots. Meaning they teleported them under there. That's the only way this makes sense. Oh my god, the pterodactyls <laughs> teleported. There you go. That's... And instead of selling ter- teleporting technologies, buying drugs. There you go. That actually would make sense in comics. So T'Challa escapes. And the rest of the story is pretty much what you expect. Now, Don McGregor. Hey, we're seeing his family again. Her family. Her Monica family, Lynch, sorry. Which it is nice to see them again. But, and and T'Challa goes on international TV before coming back to Wakanda to announce his marriage to Monica. Wakabi's pissed off. People are pissed off. Taku has some sympathy because he's married to an outsider. Um, now, note, T'Challa's father married an outsider, also a black woman from a different country, in her case, South Africa. Mm-hmm. So there does seem to be a little bit of hypocriticism here. Now, we get back to... Solomon Prey and his girl, uh, uh, Tanzia, was that her name? I can't I remember. I don't remember. Something like that. And Dwayne Turner goes back to the pinup art again. Mm-hmm. And even shows a little bit of nipple. I don't know how that got past Marvel at the time. I, I don't know either. But it's there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can see it. Yeah. But, I mean, a very erotic scene there. Mm-hmm. You know, you could tell Turner was having fun with it. And the rest of the story resolves pretty much as you might expect. There's a lot of fighting, there's a lot of tension, there's a lot of drama. None of that is terribly important, but I do encourage you to read it. And at the end of it, Solomon Prey is defeated, but in an epilogue, we see sitting under the statue of Kantu, a young woman smoking a crack pipe. Times have changed. T'Challa has brought in good and bad with the change. The good of modern society and the evil... This is Don McGregor's message about how drugs are bad, okay? Um, Now, to be fair, there's really no good argument for crack cocaine, Mm -hmm. but it's being used as a symbol of all drugs. Yeah. And that's the end of Panther's Prey. What do you think? A lot more adult than some of the other issues. Yeah, now they were pushing it. Now, this was a time period when they were starting to get tired of the comics code. There was a lot of experimentation with titles without the comics code. Let me check here. I don't recall a comics code symbol on these. Yeah, let's go to the cover of this one. Zap back. Yeah, Yeah, no no comics comics code. code. But still, they didn't go very far from the comics code either. They wanted to walk a thin line there. Mm -hmm. Now, these would have been sold and promoted in the direct market. Mm -hmm. So, maybe not a whole lot of issues sold, but high profit margins. Because they didn't have to worry about returns and all that jazz. Mm Mm-hmm. And obviously, there was ongoing interest in Black Panther. And 
we're heading in we're in the 90s now and around the corner we have the christopher priest black panther mm -hmm. which is going to be a lot of fun mm -hmm. so there we go those are the symbolisms the dangers of modern society man against society uh solomon prey although it's man against man and Solomon Prey uses this technology to build out these wings. What he does is by selling drugs, he's become a monster. The money has allowed him to become a monster. The people who sell drugs are monsters. The symbolism is pretty clear there. Uh, oh, and I didn't mention this, but we receive explicit mention of the heart-shaped herb. It is the first time in an actual Panther title where the heart-shaped herb is explicitly mentioned. For those who don't know, all the way back when T'Challa was introduced, he mentions herbs that give him enhanced powers, but he then begs off and says in the Fantastic Four, I don't want to talk about it. It was way back in Avengers number 87, Roy Thomas was the first one to actually explicit them, explicitly mention the heart-shaped herb. And here in Panther's Prey, we see Don McGregor build on that and show some of the ritual where it's administered to him. And that was not duplicated exactly for the Black Panther movie, but definitely was used as the inspiration for what they showed in it. Mm -hmm. And it becomes, at this point, a central part of the Black Panther mythos that's built upon more and more and more. So these are the themes. Man against society. And even Solomon Prey is just a stand-in for the symbol of society. And the dangerous influences of a modern world on this old agricultural and hunter-gatherer kind of society that the Wakandans were. Mm -hmm. Until we get to Christopher Priest, and while trying to be completely adherent to the past, actually reinvents everything. Mm -hmm. Which is amazing. Mm -hmm. And that's it. We'll be back in a few days. Um, I think our next episode up is the Kate Bishop reading list, because we're going to hold off on the Native American representation to release it on Thanksgiving. And if you're in the Atlantic Ocean, be careful for pterodactyls. Yes, be careful. For and I should say American Thanksgiving because Miskatonic here Sorry, is in the... Can you say that again? My apologies. No, Siri, I can't say that again. Ignore Siri. Um, Miskatonic here is in the northeast of the United States. So we like to celebrate every year when we killed a whole bunch of indigenous Americans. And, and gave them blankets with smallpox. Mm -hmm. Well, that happened later, actually. And but, you're doing a celebration of them on this day. But our treatment of them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to talk about how they've often been represented in graphic literature, including some of their own voices, on that day to provide a little bit of a balance. Now, it is Native American Month, mm -hmm. which runs from the middle of last month, uh, middle of this, last month to this month. I don't remember. Anyway, if I'm out of the month when I do it, I don't care. I still think it's appropriate. Um, now, I, I don't want to go on some social justice mantra about Thanksgiving. But I actually think Thanksgiving is a good thing. We should be thankful for things. Uh, but we can at the same time acknowledge where our society has done horrible things in the past. Mm -hmm. and, and look to celebrate things that we've buried in the past. Which definitely has been true in comic books of indigenous Americans. All right. No more of that. I have whiskey to drink and I have Lego Masters to watch. So I'm out. Okay. Bye.